Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Rowdy Buddhist. Today uh, we're continuing our lecture on the Eightfold Noble Path. Um, today we're going to be speaking on the fourth of the Eightfold Path, so right in the center, and that is concerning right action. Now it's really interesting because, you know, even though you understand and, and learn these practices, it's very important to keep going back and understanding because a lot of people memorize these as lists. And once again, it's really important for you to work through it. You know, I'm very maybe lucky in a way that I, I can't remember lists. So what I can remember, though, are how things are put in by experiencing them and understanding the reason for the order of something uh, allows me to better understand and to specifically put it into practice. Because as we see with the Eightfold Path, it's kind of a building block. Now, there are other people who say it's not in a particular order. Um, I tend to, I believe that the Buddha did put it in an order because it keeps going back uh, to the foundation of right view and, of course, our right intention. You know, the kind of building blocks for everything that we do. So it very much builds on that, I believe. And again, this is how I use it in my daily practice. When I first started learning about the Eightfold noble path to me it it just seems like um, when, when there's too many words when there's too many concepts my eyes go cross and I, I can't remember anything or understand it so I always had an issue memorizing it uh, the eightfold path and a lot of people just talk over it because they're like the four noble truths uh, the the uh, four noble truths and then okay follow the eightfold path but a lot of people would be at a very big challenge uh, to be able to explain it. So it's very important that you work through it and keep going back to the previous uh, parts of the Eightfold Path because this is very, very useful uh, in how we structure uh, our actions, our lives, our livelihood. All of the parts that we have in our life, we have to know where they are structured from because a lot of times if you took these individually, uh, which is how usually Westerners approach Buddhism as rules because a lot of times in Westernized religion, rules are a big part of the practice. Uh, rules of when to get up, when to, get, when to go to sleep, how many times to pray a day, uh, the commandments, etc. Lots of rules. And, and of course, those rules are followed by um, them being severe in the sense that the idea of reward and punishment. But in Buddhism, what, what really makes it... Uh, specifically challenging, but also the wonderful part is it allows you to change those aspects in your life and that when, when you're stuck in something, uh, such as the idea of is this correct livelihood being a Buddhist as we go forward, um, we we can use the Eightfold Path to, to look at um, what perhaps is the correct course of action. And this is why the Buddha taught these was because he knew after he passed Buddhist, you know, Buddhism is a specific lifestyle. It's a kind of, it's not a kind of, it is a mind, a mindfulness, uh, a um, state of mind, a state of thinking, uh, and a value of thinking, I believe, as we see with the right view. Buddhists will have different views than other traditions because, again, our tradition is based on uh, a different goal. Uh, also, uh, our idea is that in this life, we can understand it. We have the capacity to understand it. So with that, let's get to number four, right action. Now, right action is really 
important because again everything how do we say like results in action and that when we take in action that's really putting into the universe putting into uh, a physical manifestation of our intention our view right and and again that is where it materializes because up until that point it's just an idea right and so if we have the correct filters and that we can be able to understand what are good ideas and what are bad ideas and when i say that we say it more in a plus negative or even neutral uh, buddhism looks at it in the three different ways so again when we look through the eightfold path when we think of right action automatically some people say the precepts and that's one thing that i saw that when i was looking at perhaps how other people are explaining it was different than how I was taught uh, because some people lump all of the five precepts of Buddhism uh, for lay people into the basic five precepts into this category. But actually, uh, three main precepts are of this category. And the first is non-killing, not stealing, and abstaining from sexual misconduct. Now, these are, of course, three of the five precepts, right? So, again, the other two we have. One is, of course, no, not having false speech or, or lying. But actually, I was taught that uh, this comes from the basic morality of uh, intention, which is number two. Some people would say, well, lying in the actual action is number three, which is speech. But actually, everything starts, and this is very important to remember, everything starts with our view, our intention. And so when we go through these three specific precepts for the action, the right action, which actually they put into the concept of action because these are end results. How do you say? The finishing. So when you kill something, that is an action that stops all other actions. So there, there's nowhere to go from there once you kill a living being. So let's go into this. And again, it's important the way I was taught was to look at these because just saying to a human being, don't kill. Well, just to think from that stance, if we look from the rule, don't kill, a lot of times we may, we may not, you know, it's seen as a kind of poison. So Buddhism is always important because it gives you something to neutralize that poison. Because killing comes from, of course, as we knew, a distorted view, uh, a distorted intention, right? A negative suffering intention. And then, therefore, it manifests into the action of killing. So when we say to abstain, to not kill, uh, the, uh, the kind of medicinal side of that, of course, is the idea of uh, compassion right? Loving kindness. Th those are kind of the remedies of somebody uh, who may have the idea or the intention or view of, of killing. And again, that, that's how we neutralize the poison. Because again, when we look at it from even the Mahayana view or even Master Tiantai's view, all of this is due to uh, an imbalance or a poison or an illness that has entered into our body. So it's important to give both the remedy as well as the result, like, for instance, not killing. Uh, and specifically, let's go into not killing, no killing. In Buddhism, 
you know, not killing its very specific uh, people uh, don't understand the idea of not killing. So uh, a lot of times with people uh, who are not Buddhist, uh, they will use this and say, well, you know, uh, Buddhist specifically being vegetarian, that's a kind of killing. But Buddha is very specific, uh, Shakyamuni Buddha is very specific in the early teachings of Buddhism uh, concerning the idea of conscious beings or sentient beings. And so that means beings that have uh, cognition and are uh, have some emotion or feeling. So therefore, uh, it's very clear. And again, when we look at all the modern issues that we have, it means even participating in killing. Um, so therefore, when we when we look at something, we, we understand that killing is against our nature and the nature of all beings who are conscious or alive in the sense that they fear death. And so therefore, if we have the idea of compassion, we'll understand that idea both through empathy and through the way we live. So therefore, we come to the, we come to the natural uh, state of not being able to kill. But again, you know, this goes back to the first and second of the Eightfold Path. So we always go back to right view and right intention, okay? Now, that that's really important because when we look at something, just to label a rule, the Buddha really wasn't into rules, okay? What he was into is that we wanted to know the idea of cause and effect. So we know that if we have a perverted view, if we have perverted intention or understanding then, or even the idea of morality, which is where morality is tied to even intention as a base of morality, um, we will, of course, cause suffering for ourselves and for others. And the second one is non-stealing, not stealing. That means cheating or taking. And the opposite of that is, of course, giving. The first of the six Paramita is gratitude, ofuse, giving without the idea of receipt. That means that we have an overall connectedness to all beings. We understand that beings and ourselves are not separate. So when others prosper, we prosper. So therefore, we all ultimately want others to be successful, want to be prosperous. And that is, of course, our basic view and intention that we have in Buddhism. Uh, of course, going back to view and intention. And also what it means is, uh, in this is the ultimate, responsi- ultimate uh, of course, manifestation of morality uh, in, in its purest form. Uh, because one that abstains just because they uh, don't understand is still within ignorance. So it's, the Buddha wants us to grasp in our life, not just saying don't do that, but understanding. And again, how do you say fixing not fixing but um, nourishing and uh, giving medicine and healing perhaps our incorrect view our incorrect intention and stealing for Buddhism means of course the idea of self and others as I just stated or the idea of gain and loss which of course is uh, dualistic and attached to the ego so we as a Buddhist a lot of times that's the idea with giving is knowing that you do not own anything. Uh, the I doesn't own anything. So it's interesting. A lot of people I know have come to this uh, realization in their life 
and they are some of the most kindness people, kind, kind people, and that they are always wishing to, uh, within a situation, reading the situation, feeling the situation, and, and wishing to share with other people. It's really touching because a lot of times in, in the, of course, uh, modern times or in the modern uh, thinking, people think of how much they can get. So they would, uh, of course, uh, they keep a good amount for themselves but only keep, give the extra to others. And the third is, of course, abstaining from sexual misconduct. Now, Buddhism, as we talked about in the precepts, uh, previous podcast that I did, early Buddhism doesn't really talk specifically, even though it does for the clergy, uh, concerning, um, like, for instance, sexuality, etc. There are some references, of course, um, to uh, specific aspects of, again, taking something. That means not respecting the nature of the sentient being, of the, um, the other as oneself and understanding the basic concept of inter interdependence. It comes from greed, hatred, and ignorance. And of course, the remedy for this is honesty. And that, that means having a positive idea of loving kindness uh, towards another being. That means respecting their nature. And it's interesting that a lot of times, as I stated from a Buddhist point of view, uh, abstaining from sexual misconduct means that, of course, the coming from one's view or intention that they are more important than another, uh, causing another being suffering, right, because of one's uh, grasping or desire. That, of course, is the basis of the idea that we, in, in the Four Noble Truth, that suffering is something that the pit that we're wallowing in and the Buddha's enlightenment allows us to gain ourselves, to to help ourselves, to be that spider's thread in order to uh, allow us to take ourselves out of the pit of suffering towards the, the mountain of enlightenment. And, you know, when we think about this, it's really essential because when we either invest in the proper understanding proper view, proper intention of Buddhism, and that we are mindful, and of course this is where mindfulness and samadhi come in, in the idea that we are aware of it, and that we consider our actions, right? And that we consider our view, our intentions. That is what makes the practice of Buddhism different. Not just simply following rules for one's uh, ascent into heaven, but actually as understanding why we do and don't do something. And then, of course, with the idea of awareness, mindfulness, and concentration, we can see deeply into action. So therefore, we lessen our suffering at others, and we create the uh, merits and virtues that are necessary for attaining enlightenment. And at this point within the Eightfold Path, it's important to understand that there are three kind of subcategories that all of these eight are contained in. And, and we'll go into that at the end specifically. But um, the, the one that we're looking at here is the idea of virtue. And that uh, this is a shila. Uh, so there are virtue, concentration, wisdom. So uh, shila, uh, samadhi, and uh, pana. So, or prajna. And this 
idea of uh, shila or virtue is, of course, right view, right effort, right mindfulness. You know, in in this idea that we work through by having the right view, that means that we need to have understanding. So Buddhism is not something that you do without using your understanding. So therefore, a lot of people are stuck in the concept that by simply doing meditation, one is a Buddhist. But that also means the idea of holding the precepts. Now, another thing that you may be saying, a lot of Nichiren Buddhists follow this uh, podcast, and of course I am a Nichiren Shu priest, that we uphold usually the most highest, which is called the uh, Dharma Chalice uh, precept, which is to uphold the true teachings of the Lotus Sutra, based as the Buddha's final word and a true state and a true mind. However, we as practitioners, that what falls under that, it doesn't mean to uh, remove the idea of the precepts because the Buddha understands our capacity and so does Nichiren Buddhism that within this life, as we use the practices that we have to create concentration and mindfulness, then invigorating ourselves into positive mindfulness, uh, of course, happy in the idea of inspirational thinking, positive thinking, in accordance with the Dharma. That means perfecting, purifying our views, our intentions, which of course are contained with the Eightfold Path. It's really essential that a lot of times people will uh, feel that early Buddhism contradicts the Mahayana, or Theravadan Buddhism contradicts the Mahayana. But these basic stances of Buddhism are very, very useful formulas and teachings. Uh, And Nichiren Shonen talks about that. That even other teachings, like in his uh, time period, that had the Confucianism, and that Confucianism taught a basic morality within society, right? That these kind of teachings were essential for people to be directed towards Buddhism. Because, of course, if you try to understand, and that's why any religion that teaches that kind of morality, the human nature, we should, once we try to follow them, we should then understand and it brings us back to why am I doing this, right? So again, sometimes uh, people enter a practice not because they're thinking about, uh, first of all, other people. They think about themselves. But that, of course, uh, heals and, and morphs into the idea of compassion. Or the idea of even morality, that one does morality for the benefit of heaven in the next life. But that that actually, naturally, with our Buddha nature, grows into the idea of understanding uh, the causes and conditions of our life. So therefore, that allows us to go back to the idea of right view, right intention. And, and Buddhism, especially uh, in early Buddhism, allows us these formulas in order to go back into that. And again, you know, in the Mahayana, they simply add, in a way, the Mahayana, the six paramitas become a kind of another... Uh, understanding, another way of explaining the uh, aspects of the Eightfold Noble Path, which I thought was very interesting. So they all tie together. And, you know, when we understand the Eightfold Path in the idea of beginning with our intention, uh, with our view and then intention, it's fascinating because in the last 
you know, a couple of weeks I've been rereading the uh, Sutra of Innumerable Meetings, which is the opening sutra of the Lotus Sutra. And it's really fascinating because the first one is the idea of virtue, uh, which, of course, virtue comes from one's view. Uh, that's the way Buddhism looks, that one, just by doing good deeds, uh, because one, you know, has to, such as somebody used the example of a, a baby. A baby, of course, doesn't break these precepts, a newborn baby. But then again, also, they don't have an intention. They just don't have the physical or capabilities of, of participating in any of these things. But that doesn't mean virtue. So the Buddha's virtue that we look at, the virtue in Buddhism means to be cognitively aware. Same as our idea of karma. Karma isn't just something that happens to you. In Buddhism, karma is very specific uh, towards the idea of cognizant action, where one you know, uses their view and has the intention to make an idea, uh, to do something, to take an idea, a view, and put it into action. That then becomes karma in Buddhism. So, when we look at this, of course, as you see, there's one precept that is not uh, in that list so far. Uh, we have right, I mean, uh, abstaining from intoxicants. Uh, and again, that comes into, of course, intoxicants, uh, you have to think about it in a logical way. Intoxicants affect what? It affects our mindfulness. Okay? So that's why if you look at these things, it's very important to understand... Why they are in? Why are they inserted into those particular aspects of the eightfold path? And again, working through each issue. So when you have, and, and the more you use this, the better you'll get at it. So that's why take this immediately. Try using it in your daily life to see what is your true view, what is your intention. And a lot of times, it's important that we understand right view, as we stated comes sometimes from the image of the Buddha, from the physical manifestation of the Buddha, because it inspires us that we know that this is possible. This is not just an idea. This is actually a practical application in our life. And, and that's what the Buddha gives us, and that's why the Buddha is so inspirational. So that when we do an action, and this again it comes to the concept of karma, it means that it is based in view and intention. I want you to uh, think about that. Be aware of that. Meditate on that. Gain insight into that. And then if you look at that with the third being right speech, means that usually the first issue that it comes from, the first karma, many of karma comes from speech rather than body because the brain, people don't have this connection to view and intention. They haven't purified it. So usually what's coming out of their mouth is just suffering, is just poison. And, and again, even before we get to action, the action pre precedes the action is, of course, view and intention. That's why we hold That's why we uphold the sutra. That, that is the idea of the diamond chalice precept that I spoke of. That by upholding the Buddhist teaching, naturally, and again, it's important that it isn't all in your head as well, that we the inspiration we receive from the Buddha is what inspires us to the right view, that actually, uh, and this was what the innumerable uh, meaning sutra was saying, was that by simply being with the Buddha's teaching, being in the vicinity of, 
and especially as Nietzsche and Shonen said, upholding the text, the title of the Buddha's true mind, Namu Myoho Renge Kyo, the title Myoho Renge Kyo of the Lotus Sutra, we can naturally correct ourselves, naturally correct our view, naturally correct our intention. So there's a few different aspects, the emotional aspect, uh, the, uh, of course, conscious aspect, physical aspect, etc. So Buddhism, we have to be careful, doesn't become simply one-sided. That we understand Buddhism uh, goes through all of our faculties, all of our senses become purified. Uh, that by upholding the title, Namu Myoho Renge Kyo, uh, we uh, are able to naturally grow our Buddha nature, which is actually very challenging if you try to do simply by your mind, because uh, your mind uh, wants to do, because it's attached to the ego, that is the most strong aspect of our nature, until we are awakened and uh, attain and grow bodhicitta, which is the aspiration for enlightenment. So again, we can, please, if you have more questions about these specific precepts, please go back to my earlier podcast. But it's very important to know um, why these particular precepts are involved in the right action, because they are specific actions, okay? And that, that's very important, physical actions that we do. And what it comes down to basically is, again, what is your state of mind? What are you uh, growing in your mind? What are you investing? What are you involved in? And again, that manifests in your actions. It manifests, as we said even before, usually with your mouth. That's where the poison or the blabber is coming from. And that's usually what comes out first. So it's very important to, again, solidify ourselves in our practice. You know, meditation allows us to see into our view, our intentions, and to see if they're in accordance with the reality of all things. Because, first of all, Buddhism is based in reality, is based in uh, truth. Truth in the sense of the truth of the reality of things. Myoho, universal dharma, universal law. So therefore, I hope this was helpful with all of you. I hope you're going through each, uh, each section. And I hope that you're seeing how they're connected and how to actually practically use it in your daily life. That's the most important thing about Buddhism. And again, that is how you ultimately change your life. Because you may at first, like anything, it seems difficult to implement these things. But when you use insight with meditation, you are able to then understand and see deeply that it becomes part of you. So when something happens automatically, before we do the action, before it comes out in our speech, we go back to understanding and solidifying and, and growing and adding to uh, our connection to the Buddha's correct view and the Buddha's intention. And when I say that, that means your Buddha nature. So I really appreciate you taking the time uh, and I hope this has been beneficial for you. Thank you to everyone who continues to support this podcast. Namu Thank you.